Hello, Wayne. I, Denny Stratton. You must be the new cleaner they've sent. Fancy it being you. No, I'm not a cleaner. Well, why are you wearing a tabard? It's nice to see you. Finally, the chance to talk face to face. It's been a bit one-sided. Oh, don't mind the mess. I had a bit of a Cindy Crawford marathon viewing session last night. And don't worry about that stain there. It isn't blood. It's just red wine. Uh... Please make yourself at home. There's a pile of ironing over there. But give me a shout when you get to the red leather trousers, because I need to supervise then. Hang on a minute. I'll be upstairs if you need anything. The only rule I have is do not go into the pantry. Even though I know you, Wayne, I have to make this absolutely clear. So don't you stray. Oh, Oh, thank goodness it was a dream. Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and talk about my experiences listening to them as a boy growing up in 1980s Birmingham. I'm also listening to them today, so I can compare those notes. On this episode, I'm looking at the song Total Eclipse, which wasn't on the Number of the Beast album, but I'm including it in this series because it was a B-side on the Run to the Hill single. And it often causes a bit of discussion amongst Iron Maiden fans as to whether it should have gone on the Number of the Beast album. And I'll come to that later. Last week, I looked at the song Hallowed Be Thy Name, which is the final song on the album. And as I mentioned, one of the most popular songs of all time in the band's history. Uncle Steve said it was the best episode yet. And Andrew Whitnell was similarly enthusiastic although he mentioned that he wanted to hear more about Trevor's maps. He said that there should be more maps in Iron Maiden podcasts and made reference to the Walking Maiden map that was created from the Talking Maiden podcast. So maybe I'll mention this to Trevor later. I've had a message from someone called Bonnie who would like to reassure Denny Stratton that Halloween is still going ahead after he was concerned about the possibility of it being cancelled. Well, that's some good news at last for this year. I've also had a message from someone called Tyler and he was asking about the egg and spoon race that I mentioned in the last episode and how I successfully won, much to the surprise of fellow students and teachers. He wasn't messaging to give congratulations. He wants to know if it was actually an egg that was used in the event because he claims that it can't have been for health and safety reasons. And yes, I agree with this. Sadly, it wasn't a real egg. It was actually a ping pong ball. But this doesn't make the achievement any less impressive. It's still difficult to balance a ping pong ball. So I was pleased with the feedback and comments on an episode that I was a bit concerned about because of it being such an important song. Most people probably do agree it was their best song. Although strangely, I've not heard from Sporkford recently. Well, as I've said, this week I'm looking at Total Eclipse. And I didn't know this song originally. When I had the album, The Number of the Beast, I didn't know the song existed. I just played the album tracks one to eight, and that was it. I put it away afterwards. I found out later, when I read their discography, that there were B-sides, and most of them weren't really worth looking at. There were covers or live versions of other songs. So I I just saw the, the name Total Eclipse and didn't think much of it. Then 
They released the 12 Wasted Years video in 1987. And there it was, Total Eclipse, being performed live. What was this, I wondered, as I listened to it? A new Iron Maiden song? It was good because I actually watched it for the first time with Trevor. So we both experienced this at the same time. Maybe when he's on the phone later, we'll talk about this. The band had recorded all of the songs for the Number of the Beast album and knew that Run to the Hills was the first single and they needed a B-side for it. So with the songs they had, they had the choice of Gangland or Total Eclipse to have as the B-side. And obviously, you know that they chose Total Eclipse. In hindsight, I believe they regret this decision and Steve Harris has said as much. And most people, fans I mean, agree with this. It didn't make the album because then there were no CDs so you only had so many minutes on on a record so they didn't have enough time to put every song on it so something had to go and therefore Total Eclipse as the B-side to Run to the Hills didn't make it on the Number of the Beast album. I get the impression it was a rushed decision. You may recall that on the Invaders and the Gangland episode that I said that those songs hadn't been played live yet clearly from the 12 Wasted Years video we can see that Total Eclipse was played live, so maybe this was evidence of the band acknowledging this mistake. The song starts with just one drum hit and then it all kicks in. This doesn't sound that strange, but it's just one hit. Normally you expect two or four to mark the time signature, but yeah, it's just boom and then in. It seems quite slow at first, but then it kicks in with the main riff. And to me, it sounds the same as Revelations, it's quite a standard riff, but it's got a nice mood to it. And uh, it's similar to Revelations because it contains the chords A minor and G. I'm going to show you now. I'm no guitar player, but I'll play these chords for you now on this Fisher Price piano that I found at the back of the cupboard. Right, this is A minor. And this is G. So I could play it and you could sing along to either Total Eclipse or Revelations on top of this. Oh God, oh, still the darkness wakes, will here I cry. I wonder if, when they wrote Revelations for the next album, they were, they were happy to use these chords because they thought, well, it wasn't on the album, so people won't notice so much. The song Total Eclipse has, has references to worshipping the sun, which I think fits in with the theme of the album, so it's sad that it wasn't included. There's a lyric, Around the world the people stop, with terror-stricken eyes, a shadow cast upon them all. That, to me, describes Edda on the sleeve of the album. There's also a lyric that's very poetic, and in fact it seems quite unusual. In the icy rain and whiplashed sea, there's nowhere left to run. The hammer blows of winter fall like a hurricane. It may not have sounded like a poem read in my voice, but these descriptive lyrics are are quite different. And looking at the songwriting credit, it's Steve Harris, Dave Murray and Clive Burr. So which one of them wrote those lyrics? There's an almost mystical sound to the song. And I mean that in theme and in the style. In the dictionary, mystical has three meanings. And I believe... The third meaning is what I'm referring to. And it says, mysterious or incomprehensible, obscure or esoteric, and arousing awe and wonder. 
I think, as I said, the theme is quite mystical. But also, the way that Bruce sings some of the lines gives it that extra edge, that esoteric or unusual feel when he says, Sunrise has gone. The way it goes low in the note, it isn't expected. Just after two and a half minutes, when you think you know where the song's going, it has this weird change. I was discussing the song Total Eclipse on Twitter, and someone called Eric Gall from South Carolina described this change of pace, and he used some technical guitar terms. He said that this is a descending hammer on, or pull-offs while dive-bombing, and he says it sounds so sick. Now, he's a young person, so when he says it sounds sick, it doesn't mean that it's, it's vulgar and he wants to throw up. It means it's good. I told my mum that her casserole was sick the other day, but she sent me out of the room. Anyway, Eric clearly knows what he's talking about because he plays the guitar. But those terms, hammer-on, pull-offs and dive-bombing, sounds like something Trevor does in the garden. After this change, it slows into a new section. And that transition reminds me of the similar thing that happens in 22 Acacia Avenue. So once again, there are some similarities between the songs, which may mean that Total Eclipse is better as a B-side. Listen to these transitions. First I'll play 22 Acacia Avenue. Next I'll play Total Eclipse. I think they're quite similar. In this final section, Bruce's vocal is very high, and I think it's amazing. The song then goes back into the intro and ends with a gong. You may remember that I mentioned Clive's gong last week. So I do wonder if the gong at the end of Total Eclipse would have led nicely into the chiming at the start of Hallowed Be Thy Name. And this is where they put Total Eclipse when they sequenced the album for the 1998 remaster. This makes sense, but overall I'm not sure I would put it there if I was in the band in 1982. If they'd asked my opinion, although I do have hindsight, I would have said that Gangland is probably better because then that that fast pace makes Hallowed Be Thy Name stand out more. I'm pleased to say that Adrian Smith's been back in touch and here's another extract from his children's book that he's writing. Hi, this is Adrian Smith and I'm here to read another chapter from my children's book that I'm writing. It doesn't have a title and in fact I'm considering not having a title. I think that might be quite cutting edge in the world of children's literature. Maybe the cover will just have a symbol on it or maybe just a blank page. Um, The dilemma I have there, of course, is what colour to have that blank page. So sadly, there are still too many choices. Chapter 12. The Mystery Deepens. It had been a long day, and Officer Riggs had finally finished his shift. As he left the police station, he saw Bruce and Steve waiting outside. Those damned children, he muttered, not for the first time. The boys didn't know he felt like this, as he approached them with his usual jovial manner. What can I do for you? he asked. Please, sir, started Bruce politely. We just saw old Mrs. Stratton leave the station and wondered if there was any news. It's police business, said Officer Riggs with a chuckle. I don't think you should be bothering Mrs. Stratton, as she's clearly very distressed with all this. She's been in to see me twice today and is clearly forgetting things. I'm very worried about her. He giggled with less vigour than usual to show this concern. Bruce thought to himself, Could there be two old Mrs. Strattons? 
It was strange that they had just left her house after speaking to her, and then they saw her leaving the police station. The only difference was a large hat. Anyway, it must be past your bedtimes, said the policeman. You should try and stay indoors at this dangerous time. And he rode off on his bicycle. The boys went home. Minds were all confusion. Had they defied the law by not telling Officer Riggs what they had done and what they were thinking of? The next morning, the four chums were gathered round Nico's house. Bruce had come to the conclusion that there must be two old Mrs. Stratton's and that Officer Riggs hadn't thought of this. He mentioned this theory to the others. Nico jumped off his chair and skipped around the room, banging his drum in a frantic manner. This continued for five minutes. Sorry, he said finally, and sat down. Should we follow old Mrs. Stratton? said Dave, hoping nobody would suggest that he did it. That's not a bad idea, said Steve. I think we should tell Officer Riggs our theory as well. Maybe it's best that me and Bruce do that, as we saw him last night. That means you two can follow old Mrs. Stratton. I can't go anywhere without me mum and dad, said Nico. Davy boy will have to do it all alone. Dave began to cry, but he was willing to do this for his chum, Adrian. He wondered what Adrian was doing. Was he trapped in a prison cell with no food or water? Stranded in space or lost without trace? As it happened, at this moment, in a different world, Adrian was eating delicious treats from the walls and windows of Paul Diano's gingerbread house and using his fishing rod to hook dolly mixtures down from the chimney. He was having a brief moment of enjoyment, trying not to visualise the horrors that lay ahead. Total Eclipse is something that happens with the sun and the moon when, when it goes dark because they sort of cover each other up. You can probably find a more scientific explanation on Google. The term total eclipse brings back mixed emotions for me. About 20 years ago, there was an advert on telly for Jaffa Cakes. A Jaffa Cake is a biscuit with a chocolate covering with a Jaffa orange centre and a sort of sponge on the bottom. It's quite a controversial topic, whether a Jaffa Cake is a cake or a biscuit. And this query went to court. This is a true story, which you can find online. I'm not here to talk about that scandal. I'm referring to the advert that was on the telly, let's say about 20 years ago. It had a school teacher holding up one of these Jaffa cakes, and they're round, just, just so you know, that's quite important. She was holding up a Jaffa cake to her class of children. She held it up and said, full moon. Then she took a bite out of it and said, half moon. And then she put it all in her mouth and said, total eclipse. This was quite a popular advert. And I was at work at this time. I wasn't still at school. I was sat in the canteen on my own when a group of colleagues sat at the next table and were laughing about this advert. They were quoting it. They were just saying, full moon, half moon, total eclipse and laughing. I wanted to join in. So I said, total eclipse, like Iron Maiden. But they just looked at me and didn't say anything. Next day, I took some Jaffa cakes into work and I stood by the desk of one of them and, and I did this routine, full moon, half moon, total eclipse and I ate a Jaffa cake in front of them. Sadly, a grievance was raised and I learnt a harsh lesson. I was also given the nickname Jaffa Cake Wayne which was disappointing 
because for years I'd wanted to be called Viscount Wayne, as you may remember, but it only seemed to stick in certain cases, like Mahmood the Penguin Khan, and ours Jaffa Kate Wayne with a grievance against me, so I had to resign. I've mentioned earlier some of the other B-sides, and I'd say that Total Eclipse might well be their best B-side of all time. I mean, admittedly, there are better songs as B-sides, but they're live versions of those better songs. So I don't know if I'd count those. We've also had some covers, which I'm not so bothered about. There are a few curiosities, like Burning Ambition, which was the B-side on the first single, Running Free. And this, apparently, was the first song that Steve Harris ever wrote. There's also some interesting ones on Man on the Edge, which was in the mid-90s, for the X Factor era. These were songs that were sort of recorded around the same time, but didn't make the album. So these were, again, studio versions, rather than live or, or covers. And then there are a few silly ones, like Black Bart Blues and The Sheriff of Huddersfield. Looking at all of them, I'd say Total Eclipse might very well be the best B-side. Certainly as a unique original song anyway. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now. Let's see if he remembers the song and has any insight about it. Hi, Wayne. Hello, Trevor. Uh, obviously, I'm ringing about Total Eclipse, uh, the latest episode on the podcast. Um, first of all, though, I've had a comment on Twitter. You, you may be aware of it. It's from Andrew Whitnell, and he, he was saying that he, he wanted to know more about these maps that he bought. Oh, OK. What, what does he want to know? Well, just some more information. Uh, were they Birmingham ones? Yeah, I've got a mixture. Um, I'm quite interested in, in how, how the landscape has changed. I've put them with my old black and white postcards, you know, like so I can see what the areas used to look like, and it's nice, Birmingham without cars. I'd like to live in those times. Yeah, well, I, sp- I suppose certainly at the moment uh, a, a bit of escape would be nice. Yeah. I'd doff my hat to the ladies and uh, toss a sixpence at a street urchin. OK, we've well, clearly given it some thought. Anyway, we're talking about Total Eclipse, and earlier on I mentioned that we watched it together, didn't we? Because you bought the 12 Wasted Years video, and I, I came round, and we had some popcorn, and uh, it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I liked uh, some of those little things, you know, like um, when, when that man in the suit was being interviewed in the park, and those two old ladies were on the next bench, sort of nudging each other and making a bit of a noise, really. Okay, well, I, I don't remember that. But anyway, we're talking about Total Eclipse, which was the uh, live performance, and, and we both commented on the fact we didn't know the song. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was good. A good uh, song. I, I didn't know it. and never even knew it was the B-side of Run to the Hills, and it was just a... I just wonder what was going on. What, what's this new song? And, uh, yeah, I did my research. and It had a nice atmosphere to it. It felt like it had that guitar effect that you mentioned in The Number of the Beast. That sort of, you described it as windy. Yeah, I think it might be Phaser. I don't remember it on the um, the video, though. Um, I don't think it's on the recorded version. I think that was just your video player was a bit old and past it. No, I don't think so. It was a brand new video, wasn't it? Yeah, but you kept messing with the tracking. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Anyway, I was saying about it... Perhaps should have been on the album, maybe. Some people think it should have been instead of Gangland. What do you think on it? Yeah, I think, I mean, well, if, if they'd released that album now, they would have put it on as well because they'd have more time. And in those days, I, I don't know, was it 40 minutes or less? You, you couldn't go over that. So 
they had to drop a song. I mean, yeah, maybe Gangland is the weakest song there, but but it serves a purpose. I think it's interesting to think about if Total Eclipse was recorded at the same time of, of Peace of Mind, would I put that on the album instead of some other songs there? And maybe I would. But I think it's a nice problem to think about. It's a nice topic, isn't it? Yeah, well, that, that's why I'm talking about it. Okay, well, anyway, um, we've got a poem. I mean, this this might be the last one of the series. So uh, I hope it's a good one. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll read it now. You smother me with your presence, a total eclipse of my feelings. But I want to be smothered with presence, like my ninth birthday at Butlin's. Okay, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Well, it seems a bit short compared to some of the other ones. Wow, I thought it was quite good. I think there's a play on words there with the different types of presence, the two spellings. So that's called a homophone. A homophobe? No, a phone. A homophone. Well, yeah, okay. Well, this person smothered you with their existence, I suppose. Yeah, that that was like uh, sometimes you feel swamped by people, don't you? You can't breathe and you want that space. But but then you mentioned his ninth birthday, and, and I remember that. that We went to Butlins together, didn't we? We went with uh, your mum and dad and, and my mum. Yeah, it was a good holiday, and it was my birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, what did you get? Because you talked about smothered with presents. I mean, I, I, I do remember you had quite a lot. I was, I was quite impressed. Yeah, I had Snake Mountain from He-Man. It was Skeletor's castle, but it wasn't really a castle. It was more like a mountain. That's why it was called Snake Mountain. That's right. And it had uh, that microphone effect, didn't it? You could put, you could talk into the microphone, and then you'd sound like Skeletor. But I didn't need that because I could do a good impression of Skeletor anyway. Remember? No, I don't. Don't remember. I can still do it. It's all right. I don't think we need to to, to listen to that. Stop it, He Man! <laughs> I don't think Skeletor, the, the sort of evil lord, would say stop it. I don't, what was he man tickling him? No, well, that was just my impression. I could, I'm sure I could think of something better if I, I haven't looked at he man for quite a few years. All right, yeah, well, that was quite. It was a good holiday. I remember, yeah, playing with some of your toys. It was quite impressive. How did you get Snake Mountain down there anyway? Oh, your mum put it in a in a suitcase. Remember, she didn't have many clothes because of that. She had to, to carry it there, so that's why she wore that bikini all holiday. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I remember quite a lot about that holiday. Do you remember when you cried because you couldn't join the Tiger Club? No. Yeah, you did, because you had to be eight or under, and you were nine. Well, you were nine. It was your ninth birthday. Yeah, but I got in. I was let in because it was my birthday, so I got a special badge and a Tiger Club goodie bag with pencils and rubbers. Yeah, well, I didn't cry. I probably did something better. Uh, probably went to the arcade or something. No, you weren't allowed. You had to stay with us. But when, when we were in the Tiger Club, I think uh, you just had to sit outside. OK, well, thanks for bringing that up. Um, next week, well, we're doing an album review show, so I haven't really planned what you'll be doing there. There's no point in doing a poem. I, I don't want a poem about the whole album, because that, that might... Actually, I also meant to mention, Uncle Steve said that the Hallow Be Thy Name poem that he did was perhaps similar to what he would do. I don't think so. No, yeah, well, no, he did say it. No, I mean, I don't think that it would be similar to what he would do. I think he admitted that 
it, it may have been predictable, which was something you criticised. Um, so I think he's actually reflecting that criticism back at you. How do you react to this? I'm not sure it was predictable. I, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I don't know why you keep talking to him. I mean, I've mentioned this before about my concern. Uh, as far as I'm aware, I was going to carry on doing the poetry. I don't think, I don't mind feedback on it, but when he's there in the background writing poems, I mean, what, what else are you talking about? I don't think you know. I don't think you can sort of dictate who I talk to about the podcast. And anyway, what about you? You you've been talking to him. What's this about a proper Iron Maiden podcast? What do you mean? When, when didn't you say that to him? I've never spoke to him. Oh, right. Hang on a minute. Uh, sorry, Joe. I, that actually might have been a dream. That's a bit bizarre to say that. So, so I'm sorry about that. He can say what he likes about the poem to him, but maybe when if he was to get hold of my book, which is out soon. He'll read the analysis and, and insight and maybe realise that he'd misinterpreted it and actually what seems to be quite simple is actually quite genius. Okay, well, yeah, well done for getting your plug in there. Um, I think I'll cut the call short now because I think we've gone on long enough. So anyway, uh, yeah, speak to you next week. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Wayne Maiden. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. I've got a Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. And I occasionally post extra blog content there with lists and facts. And uh, I'll be trying to do that more and more as time goes on. I've had a message from Daniel Davis, and he says that Trevor's poem has got some inaccuracies this week and that Butlins didn't have a tiger club. And it was actually Haven, which is a different type of resort. So, yeah, that's interesting, actually. I can't remember. Maybe he's getting mixed up with another holiday. But, uh, yeah, I'll pass that feedback on. Once again, if anyone's got any feedback about what I say, rather than Trevor all the time, I'd appreciate it. Talking of feedback, though, I do. I have been reading out some reviews lately on Apple. I think it's important to share feedback and uh, say thank you for, for taking the time to leave a review. This week I'm going to look at uh, Canada, and I've had a couple of reviews there, but... Uh, one of them has actually left some comments as well. And it's from capital N, two underscores, and then an exclamation mark. So there you go. Just the letter N with some symbols. This person says, great take on Iron Maiden. And then the main body of the text says, as a fellow Iron Maiden podcaster, I really appreciate this unique view on the Iron Maiden catalogue. Always an entertaining listen. So thank you very much, N from Canada, who also does an Iron Maiden podcast. wonder who it is. Okay, so that's Total Eclipse. Um, maybe when I'm doing the review show next week, if I do a sort of top three, top five of the album, I might include that in it. But yeah, a good song, and uh, certainly better than several others I've covered already, despite it being a B-side. I wonder if that's the first B-side I have covered. I probably should have thought about this before I started talking. I think some songs have been B-sides, like Drifter. Um, but that, of course, was a live B-side. But uh, And Genghis Khan, weirdly, was was the B-side of Purgatory, even though it had already been released on Killers. So, yeah, so quite a unique song in, in many ways. And uh, So I found it deserved its own episode. Next week, I'm looking at the whole album. So uh, join me for that. Um, I've not decided if there's any jigsaw commentary, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of fun and insight. So I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening and your support. Bye-bye.